Ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor to introduce a man who needs no introduction. His credits are too long to list. He has done the impossible time after time. He hails out of a manger in Bethlehem, Jerusalem, by way of heaven. His mother is still headlining in the Catholic Church today. His daddy is the author of a book that has been on the bestseller list since the beginning of time. He holds the record for the world's greatest fish fry. He fed 5,000 hungry souls with two fish, five loaves of bread. He can walk on water, turn water into wine. No special effects, no camera tricks. He has a headshot on every church fan across the country. Even before the kings of comedy, he was hailed the king of all kings, ruler of the universe, alpha and omega, beginning and the end, the bright and the morning star. Some say he's the Rose of Sharon, and some say he's the Prince of Peace. Get up on your feet, put your hands together, and show your love for the second coming of the one and only. Good morning. Good morning. Good. Did you guys recognize the voice? Yeah. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. All right. All right. Good deal. Well, before I even start, I want to welcome back our Nepal team. Uh, part of it is here, part of it is not. Uh, but they are back. Uh, the exciting part comes when they're going to share with us. Uh, I'm sure they're going to show some videos and pictures. Uh, I think that's going to be within the next several weeks sometime. We're going to announce that, so uh, stay tuned. Uh, you don't want to miss that, okay? Well, how many of you uh, like stories? Just a few? Okay. <laughs> I want to share uh, with you a story this morning. Uh, it's a story... Uh, in which some names, some events uh, may be familiar to you uh, or may be new to you. It's a story in which uh, you may recognize some characters, some individuals. It's a story about God, about heaven, about God's kingdom, and about you and me. And it goes like this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God said, let there be an expanse between the waters to separate water from water. And it was so. And then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land to bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the light. And let them serve, serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years. And it was so. And God said, let the water team with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds. And it was so. And then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, Well, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. Oh, you will not surely die, the serpent said, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. And so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And just a side note, this is when the vacation business and the uh, bathing suit business started. 
And so the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So the Lord God banished the man and the woman from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which they had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Now Adam and Eve loved each other a lot, to the point where Eve actually got pregnant, and she had a son. And they named him Cain. And then they had another son who was Abel. But one day, uh, Cain murdered his younger brother, Abel. Many years uh, were passing, and uh, people were starting to get real bad. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart were only evil all the time. And so God said, I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens. Every creature that has breath of life in it, everything on earth will perish. But God spared a man called Noah and his whole family because Noah was a righteous man and lived a godly lifestyle. And God made a covenant with him that God will never again destroy the earth with such a flood. As a reminder, God actually put a rainbow in the sky. And so history continued until one day God called a man by the name of Abraham. And God made a covenant with him. God promised to him that his family will grow into a whole nation that will become God's very own people. God also told him that from his seed, all the nations on the earth will be blessed. And so it happened. That family grew up and became a whole nation. And that whole nation was at one point enslaved in Egypt for around 400 years. But then God called another person, by the name of Moses, to lead them out of slavery into the land God had promised to Abraham, that that will be their nation's land. Through Moses, God made a covenant with his people and graciously gave them his law, his commands and guidelines for them, so they could live a life of harmony with him and with one another. But God also promised to Moses this, He said, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. I will put my words in his mouth, and he will tell them everything I command him. (coughs) And then God raised a king to rule over his people. His name was David. David was called 
a man after God's own heart. And God made a covenant with David that his kingdom will be established forever. Unfortunately, the people of God constantly rebelled against God. They disobeyed his commands. They rejected God's love. And so they ended up going in exile. But before this time and during this whole time of exile, God graciously sent prophets, special messengers, to speak to the people God's words. Words of warning, words of hope. The prophet Isaiah realized how bad things were. He said, We all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way. Then another messenger by the name of Jeremiah. I think he understood very well the human condition. He said, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? But you see, there was also a promise of hope. A promise for a new era in human history. A promise for a new beginning for all people for eternity. Isaiah the prophet predicted. He said, for to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And then about 2,000 years ago, a virgin by the name of Mary was engaged to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And so, baby Jesus was born. He grew up, was baptized in the Jordan River. Now, side note, I know some of you have been there, been baptized in the Jordan River. Is that true? Yep. But then, as he grew up, he started telling people about their needs. To come to God, to ask God for forgiveness. And he announced to them that the kingdom of God is there. It's coming. And a small group of people gathered around him and became his followers. They traveled with him. Helped, they helped him do his ministry to the people. They saw him, how he was healing the sick, how he was caring for the poor, how he was showing compassion to those who were suffering. They ate together with him. They stayed with him wherever he stayed. They were getting to know him more and more day after day. In fact, sometimes being around him, they wondered about him. This one time, they were in a boat, and a terrible storm arose on the sea. Uh, they felt they were going to lose their lives, so bad the situation was. And uh, Jesus got up at that time, and he rebuked the winds and calmed the storm. The man was so amazed, they asked, well, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. 
And then another time, Jesus came to a region uh, called Caesarea Philippi. And he was standing there with uh, his closest friends. And he asked them a question. It came to them out of nowhere, but it was a good question. He said, well, guys, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Oh, they had some answers. They said, well, you know, some say it's John the Baptist. Others say it's one of the messengers of God, like Elijah, or uh, maybe Jeremiah, or one of the other messengers. And then Jesus looked at them, and he said, well, what about you? Who do you say that I am? I'm going to pause the story for a second. And I want you to take a mental, imaginary trip back to uh, Caesarea Philippi. I know some of you have been there, actually. I haven't. Uh, you've seen that place. I want you to take that mental trip and place yourself in that small crowd of 12 people surrounding Jesus. And you hear that question. What about you? Who do you say I am? We're going to do something different. Uh, before I continue with the story, I have uh, at least one microphone, and I'm going to ask you this question. Uh, I want you to raise your hand and give an answer. Uh, maybe with two or three words, real brief, not a, not a whole story or an explanation, but just two or three words. But what about you? Who do you say that I am? Would you raise your hand? Don't be shy. This one there. Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Thank you. What about you? Who do you say that I am? He's the son of the living God. But what about you? Who do you say that I am? friend, comforter, lover of my soul. Or, what about you? Who do you say I am? He is uh, Jehovah Jesus, the God of my salvation. What about you? Who do you say I am? Don't be shy. Eternal life. What about you? Who do you say that I am?
What about you? Who do you say I am? He's Yeshua HaMashiach, the Messiah. Oh, thank you for the translation. <laughs> you almost confused us. <laughs> what about you? Who do you say I am? Simon Peter, one of the uh, closest friends of Jesus, he turned and said, well, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Another time, uh, they were together, and uh, they asked him how they can find the right way. Uh, Thomas, one of his best friends, uh, said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And this went on for about three years. Jesus healed people. He helped them. He comforted them. But then he was arrested, he was crucified, one of his friends later on wrote, for Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit. That prophecy, that message from Isaiah, one of hundreds of prophecies about Jesus, was fulfilled. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Why would God do this? The Apostle Paul says, uh, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Later on, uh, Peter and John, two of the closest friends of Jesus, uh, were put in jail for sharing that good news with people. They were questioned by the Jewish authorities. And they boldly declared, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to man by which we must be saved. About 500 years ago, there was a man, Martin Luther, who was a monk and a priest, and he had been taught in all the religious knowledge and practices of his time, he himself was desperate to uh, find forgiveness from God, to find this assurance that God loves him, that God accepts him, that God forgives him his sins. And with all the things he was trying to do, nothing seemed to work. Until he turned to the Scripture, to the Bible, as his only source, 
sola scriptura, those fancy words that we uh, read a few weeks ago. And by reading the Bible, he realized that he was out of line with what the Bible says and that his whole generation was out of line. And it was through reading the Bible he realized that your sins could be only forgiven by God's grace through faith. And then he realized that there was nothing he could do because salvation is only through Jesus Christ. And there's another pillar of those pillars we've been studying for a few weeks. Another pillar of the Protestant Reformation and of our Christian faith. We talked about the sola scriptura, by word alone. We talked about by grace alone, sola gratia, and then by faith, through faith alone, sola fide. But now we come to solus Christus. Solus Christus. Through Jesus alone. People across the centuries have tried to describe Jesus and what he has done. Uh, early on, uh, the Apostle Paul wrote something. He said, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. The author of the letter to the Hebrews said, The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact image of His being. Sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. I guess uh, we can keep going on and on and on. In fact, you may remember uh, reading through the Gospel of John. Uh, he's trying to write about all the things Jesus did. He comes to a realization. He says, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Friends, I, I was sitting and trying to think of a way, of a better way to introduce Jesus to you this morning. Uh, but I, I don't think I'm talented enough or eloquent enough. Uh, I found a video uh, that I think if, if I were talented and able to do it, maybe those would have been the words that I would have used. And I want to close with this video. It is from Pastor uh, Shadrach Meshach Lockridge. Lockridge. An interesting name of it. The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. 
He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder, do you know it? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captive. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent and he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is lighter. I wish I could describe him to you. Yes, he's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't, you can't get him off of your hand. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. Yeah! That's my king. That's my king. Amen.